Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we aren't trying to get hip. Don't trip, throw shade, or be woke. We are simply trying to bridge the generational gap and understand all the ages. Do you feel like you're stuck in a time warp, not understanding what the kids today are saying, meaning, or even thinking? Maybe you're on the other end with mind-blowing comments like, Back in my day, we used to walk everywhere. Or gas used to cost 25 cents a gallon. Better yet, you're trapped in the middle, being an interpreter of multiple generations, wondering where you fit in. Understanding is key to getting you out of the rut and over the hump. But where do you start? You start by not limiting your understanding of what is comfortable and makes perfect sense to you. You stretch your mind, being open and willing to explore other ideas. Ready to be transported to a different place and time? No matter what generation you're in, there is space to grow and learn. We kid about being stuck in a time warp, but think about it. What if you really were? Pick an error you felt had it all. Quality of life, values, morals, and an easier way to go. Whatever you feel gave it the advantage. Now, transport that person here, to this place and time. Imagine what it would feel like to be lost trying to navigate the modern conveniences of today. Technology, transportation, communication, you name it. I have always been one to embrace new technology. Not an early adopter per se, but my jobs have always made it necessary to be tech savvy. And I'm naturally curious and not afraid of messing something up. Because of that, I've kept up pretty well. To give you some context, I believe computers were introduced during my senior year in high school, and my first experience with the internet was data by the hour. I was before email or cell phones. When cell phones were available, they were called car phones, and I wasn't about to get a car phone until I had a nice car to put it in, which means it was much later when I actually got my first phone. When text messaging became available, I thought it was the silliest thing. Kind of like when you would write shell or hello on a calculator. (laughs) Boy, did I misjudge that technological advancement. One day I was in my cell phone provider's retail outlet. Look at that. I went to great lengths not to give a plug to any one provider. At any rate, I was waiting my turn to pay my bill. Oh yeah, this was before auto pay and early in the online bill pay process. I noticed an older couple at the desk and a young man helping them. At first, I wasn't really paying attention to their conversation, but being willing to admit that I can be a wee bit nosy, I started listening. There was some confusion over this TXT charge that they were receiving on their bill. The young man tried and tried to explain using cell phone jargon that was clearly being misinterpreted. This went on for a spell. Now, also being willing to admit that I sometimes feel compelled to jump in and fix a situation that has nothing to do with me. 
So I asked if I might make a go of explaining text messaging to this nice couple. The representative graciously stepped aside. I used the analogy of their physical postal mailbox and how when they received a letter, the mail carrier put the message, i.e. letter, in the box. When they went out and opened the door to retrieve the mail, there was the charge. Each time they opened the box and opened the letter, i.e. message, there was a charge. Aha! The connection was made and away they went. They were satisfied and I hope the young man was able to see that there was maybe a better way to bridge the gap. Now, I'm not the heroine in that story, even if it might have sounded like I set it up that way. (laughs) I'm merely illustrating a gap and a possible solution. Can you think of a gap that you've witnessed? How have you been able to find a bridge? Maybe we should start by understanding the generations to help identify the gap. Interactiveschools.com enlightens us with Generation Who? Understanding the trends of each gen. Simon Sinek, author of Start With Why, gave this quote, Leadership is not about the next election. It's about the next generation. You've likely heard of millennials or Gen Z, but are you totally sure who or what they are? If you were to say they are a generation of people, then yes, you'd be absolutely right. But it goes a little further than that. A generation denotes people born within a very specific period of time. Our current generations, let's kind of go through those. There are the traditionalist or silent generation, and they were born 1945 or before. And with the silent generation, they are more active in nonprofit management, funding, and volunteering. The baby boomers were born between 1944 and 1964. Generation X, a.k.a. Gen X, people born between 1965 and 1979, also known as the MTV generation. Generation Y, a.k.a. Millennials, are people born from 1980 through 1994. They're also known as the avocado toast generation. Generation Z, a.k.a. Gen Z, the newest generation, and the generation after millennials. These are people born between 1995 and 2015. Now, baby boomers, these born in the years after World War II, when there was a significant spike in births, both in America and in Britain. These are the men and women who turned in, got high, dropped out, dodged and drafted, swung in the 60s, and became hippies in the 70s. Idealist and cynical, this was the generation that fought the cold world and smashed down the Berlin Wall. (laughs) That was all from Harry Wallop. He's a feature writer for The Telegraph. Here's some characteristics they say of baby boomers. Live to work. Self-worth equals work ethic. Loyal to employer. Competitive goal-centric, 
process-oriented, focused, disciplined, enjoy working in teams and proving themselves to the team, need to know that they are valued, want to make a difference. Many baby boomers around today will be grandparents or even great-grandparents. Gen X. I've always been quite happy to describe myself as Gen X. It's always conjured a certain slacker cool. We won't be tied down by the corporate buck. We're nihilists, but with a sense of humor. We don't measure success in the world's terms. Sure, we drink Starbucks, but we do so ironically. In fact, we do everything ironically. We're ironic atheists, latchkey kids, serial monogamists, and so forth. That was from Patrick Neat, an author. Here are some characteristics of Gen Xers. Work to live. Crave independence. Skepticism. Focused on results. Think globally. Adapt to change. Eager to learn. Thrive on flexibility. Education is a necessary means to succeed. Gen Xers will form your older parent base. They are often referred to as cynical and value loyal. Millennial Gen Y. Millennials have come of an age during a time of technological change, globalization, and economic disruption. That's given them a different set of behaviors and experiences than their parents. They have been slower to marry and move out on their own. They're also the first generation of digital natives, and their affinity for technology helps shape how they shop. Finally, they are also dedicated to wellness, devoting time and money to exercising and eating right. That came from Goldman Sachs Global Investment Research. Here are some characteristics of millennials. Fully transparent, shares everything. Do well with detailed instructions. Desire to make an impact. Commerce and conscience together. Value diversity. Love technology. Education is a highly expensive necessity. Do not perform at their best in a traditional work environment. Find solutions using technology. Millennials are the Yahoo, mobile phones, Google, Facebook, iPhone generation with the first real taste of open information at their fingertips. Millennials can be strong-willed. Generation Z, the Centennials. In an era of fake news, Gen Z is also more likely to be able to push through the noise. Not only are they able to consume more information than any group before, they have also become accustomed to cutting through it. They are perhaps the most brand-critical, BS-repellent questioning group around and will call out any behavior they dislike on social media. This came from Lucy Green, director of the Innovation Group. Here are some traits of Centennials or Gen Zs. Techinate, first generation to grow up with modern technology. Accepting of others. Make things. Realists, individualistic, 
competitive, transparent, entrepreneurial and inventive spirit, concerned about the cost of education. As the true digital natives of our time, Gen Z will not know a world without social media, without mobile phones and computers. Technology has always been there and centennials will have integrated it seamlessly into their lives. Breaking down the different generations in this way is by no means an exact science. We can't simply state that a 23-year-old and a 47-year-old are so different that they won't be able to coexist together. Wow, you can really see how there could be a gap in communication and understanding. Yet, we are all here on this planet to coexist. It's easy to pick judgment over understanding and acceptance. Even the most open-minded person will have preconceived notions based on their experience. Like, all dark alleys contain danger, or all tall people play basketball. Think of all the preconceived notions or generalizations you use on a daily basis. Where did they come from? Your experience or someone else's? I know there was a period in my life where I wasn't very self-aware. I feel like it was my period of trying to get somewhere and establish myself. I was preoccupied with my own needs, wants, and desires, and very focused on my own goals. I was also sharing that focus by trying to control others. Not in a mean way, but in the what I thought was a helpful way. I was consumed and had no time or energy to really look around or get the bigger picture in life. Do you remember that period of your life? I'm not sure what moves us into a more enlightened and self-aware state or if it even happens for everyone. You could have walked through a very trying time in your life which gave you a new perspective or you could have reached a point where you needed to heighten your sense of reality and start thinking outside of yourselves. Maybe you aren't there yet, but you want to be. So for you, it's an intentional desire to have more and be more. And I don't mean stuff and status, but knowledge and purpose. Patrick Buggy helps us explore this idea with his article, Non-Judgment. What is it? And why does it matter? Four benefits found at mindfulambition.com. The mind is a judging machine. Everything that we experience is filtered, categorized, and dealt with in some automatic way. Some things are judged as good, so we grasp for more and we cling to what we have. Other things are judged as bad, so we hide, resist, and run away from them. And everything else? Well, That's judged as neutral. So for the most part, we ignore it entirely. There's nothing inherently wrong with these judgments. It's the nature of the mind to judge. Sometimes these judgments are helpful. They can lead you to understand the things that bring you up, give you energy, and fill you with purpose. They can help you understand what doesn't resonate with you and leaves you feeling drained. But when left unchecked, 
the judging mind is taxing and controlling. It takes significant energy to evaluate every experience you encounter. There's always something to be done about wherever you are. Chase the good, flee from the bad, and ignore the neutral. When you're unaware that these judgments are influencing your behavior, you're just along for the ride. Like a marionette reacting to a puppeteer, you become trapped by your conditioned judgments and reaction. Mindfulness presents an alternative to this vicious cycle in the form of non-judgment. As John Kabat-Zinn reminds us, mindfulness means paying attention in a particular way, on purpose, in the present moment, and without judgment. The last part of that definition, non-judgment, means letting go of the automatic judgments that arise in your mind with every experience you have. Setting down the judging mind, even for a short while, is a refreshing weight off your shoulders. In practicing non-judgment, there's no longer anything to be done about the present moment. No grasping for more, no resisting what's there, and no ignoring of life's experiences. When you stop trying to react to your experience, you can open up to it completely, resting in mindful presence. Simply being, you awaken to the reality that the present moment is whole as it is. You don't need to do anything or go anywhere to see it. You just have to be. Non-judgment isn't about stopping judgments from ever arising. That's impossible. It's the nature of the mind to judge. Instead, it's about changing your relationship to your judgments, knowing that they're temporary thoughts and you don't need to be swept away by them just because they arise in your mind. To practice mindfulness is to make direct contact with the experience you're having. Getting in touch with the actual experience itself is a freeing and peaceful state. Along with that comes a host of benefits, like non-judgment opens you up to more of life's beauty. Judging something as neutral means it's not worth your attention. But when you remove this judgment of neutral, you have the chance to see the beauty and wonder present in every aspect of life. Any activity can be a wonderful, enriching experience if you take the time to pay attention to it. Non-judgment helps you off the hedonic treadmill. So much dissatisfaction comes from the endless quest for more. Be it money, accomplishments, or titles, the motivation of that pursuit comes from the judgment that what you have now is not enough. Letting go of that judgment can help you appreciate the countless positive qualities of where you are now. Non-judgment helps you cultivate a peaceful mind. Your judgments are the only source of stress about the bad things in your life or whatever might happen in the future. Letting go of the judgment of bad frees you from the suffering caused by interpreting it this way. Non-judgment helps you see clearly. When reacting to your judgments, you're only seeing your interpretation of what's there. Letting go of those judgments help you see things as they actually are. 
Practicing mindful meditation helps you build familiarity with the quality of non-judgment. In meditation, every time you notice your mind has wandered, you practice non-judgment by gently returning your attention to the original object of awareness. Outside of meditation practice, the process is simple. Number one, notice when judgments arise. Witness whatever comes into your body or mind in conjunction with this judgment. Number two, recognize. Recognize the thoughts that are there without denouncing them or clinging to them. And number three, move forward with clarity, staying present to the experience at hand. Without practicing non-judgment, we can't be mindful. But when we do, it opens up a whole new dimension of life's experiences. I feel more enlightened and ready to learn at this stage in my life. I'm on a quest for more knowledge and to not forget critical lessons of the past. I love to read historical fiction because I learned so much about our lives in the past, what was important to them, how they made their way, new discoveries, struggles they endured, and life lessons they learned. Hey, if you're ever feeling like what we are going through today is the worst of times, please pick up a history book. Currently, I'm reading about one of the first female doctors and the struggles she went through to even practice medicine and the torment she endured for just being a woman. Wow, it really puts things in perspective. Now, maybe you're thinking, what is she talking about? And dependent upon your age and stage in your life, you might not feel the presence of a gap. And if you do, you're well on your way to bridging it. So what does the research say? Well, Susan Adcox informs us with what research says about the generation gap, generational differences, and their causes. This was found at VeryWellFamily.com. A generation gap is commonly perceived to refer to differences between generations that cause conflict and complicate communication, creating a gap. Word maven William Sapphire provides this more positive definition. Generation gap can be a frustrating lack of communication between young and old, or a useful stretch of time that separates cultures within a society, allowing them to develop their own character. Hmm. From their position in the family, and with more life experience than younger family members, Grandparents are uniquely poised to see that differences between generations can be positive for all those concerned. Although there's always been differences between the generations, the drastic differences that the term implies were not much in evidence until the 20th century. Before that time, society was not very mobile. Young people typically lived near their extended families, worshipped in their childhood churches, and often worked on the family farm or in the family business. With the advent of television and movies, young people were exposed to cultural influences alien to their own families and cultures. Performers like Frank Sinatra, Elvis Presley, and James Dean won adulation from younger generations, but were often met with degradation from the older generation. Then came the 1960s and civil rights, and the Vietnam War exposed a more serious chasm between young and old. 
The generation gap that was so evident during the 60s has resurfaced, but it's not the disruptive force that it was during the Vietnam era, according to a 2009 study. The Pew Research Center study found that 79% of Americans see major differences between younger and older adults in the way they look at the world. In 1969, a Gallup poll found that a slightly smaller percentage, 74%, perceived major differences. Today, although more Americans see generational differences, most don't see them as divisive. That is partly because of the areas of difference. The top areas of disagreement between young and old, according to the Pew Research study, are the use of technology and taste in music. Grandparents are likely to have observed these differences in their grandchildren, who are tweens, teens, and young adults. Slightly behind these areas of differences are the following. Attitudes toward different races and groups. Moral values. Religious beliefs. Respect for others. Political views. And work ethic. differences between the generations exist, why don't they spawn conflict? The answer is twofold. First, the two largest areas of difference, technology and music, are less emotionally charged than political issues. The older generation is likely to be proud of the younger generation's prowess in technology rather than to view it as a problem. As for the musical differences, Each generation wants its own style of music, and the older generation generally can relate to that desire. Second, in the other areas of difference, the younger generation tends to regard the older generation as superior to their own generation. Clearly a difference from the 1960s with its rally cry, don't trust anyone over 30. According to the Pew study, all generations regard older Americans as superior in more values, work ethic, and respect for others. In one area, those surveyed did regard the younger generation as superior, intolerance for different races and groups. A different survey by the Pew Research Center identifies increasing acceptance of gays and lesbians as a particular area of difference, with almost half of those up to age 49 seeing it as a good thing. But only 37% of those aged 50 to 64 agreeing, and only 21% of those 65 and over. Okay, that seems totally manageable. So how do we bridge the generational gap? Infuse nursing homes with top 40 music or incentivize teenagers to adopt a grandpa? (laughs) Actually, I rather like that last idea. For me, it really starts with connections. You can't bridge the gap and create more understanding by reading an article or watching a video. You have to connect and be open to listening. Understanding starts with listening without judgment and being open to learning. The Edu for Sure team gives us seven ways to bridge the generation gap found at eduforsure.com. We can define the generation gap as the lack of communication between the two generations. 
This is because of a difference in tastes, habits, opinions, views, etc. We've already covered a lot. There's a lack of understanding, which is known as the generation gap. It's a certain kind of psychological gap that creates misunderstanding and lack of communication between the elders and the younger generation. The generation gap is mainly the result of a fast development of society. In the last century, two or three generations live in the same lifestyle as there was very slow development. But today, as the world is advancing, things are getting outdated and the world is getting more and more advanced. More of the parents don't even know many of the modern gadgets and equipment their children use. If you've heard yourself start out saying, when I was your age, while talking to your kids or anyone younger, there's a fair chance that you both are facing a generation gap. So this article really talks about parents' communication with children, but you can use this in reference to anyone where there's a generational gap. So here are a few tips for the children, so the younger generation, to bridge the gap with the older generation, okay? So you can put in younger and older versus kid and parent. <laughs> but it all starts with communication. Communication is the initial step that you need to take to reduce this generational gap. The lack of communication between you and the adult is the reason for this. You need to be on talking grounds with your parents. Speak to them about anything you feel like, be it your daily routine or any latest things in your life. Start with it and you'll see how with the due course of time, you and your parents will become attached. There will be a feeling of openness and affection among the two. Number two, spend more time together. Boy, isn't that the thing? We all go in our different rooms, on our different devices. We're just busy and we don't spend a lot of quality time together. Irrespective of whether you enjoy your parents' company or not, try spending more quality time with them. You can go for a football match or whichever sport your dad is fond of, or you could join your mother for an evening walk. This will help you, as well as your parents, enjoy each other's company, and it will also help you bridge the distance. What to teach your parents about sports lingo? <laughs> well, there are many interesting sports activities that you can teach them about and try together someday. Number three, show genuine gestures. This is a very effective method. Many times, gestures say a lot more than words. For this, you can gift your parents anything of their choice on their birthdays or maybe Father's Day or Mother's Day. It's not the need of an expensive gift. Even small, precious things, time, service, anything that you can do to show that they're special. A gesture. Number four, share your problems. Tell your parents about anything that is creating a problem for you. They may scold you at first, but will help you solve the problem and be on your side anyways. Number five, respecting them can help bridge a generational gap. We were always taught to respect our elders, but somehow as we grew up, we forgot about this. Respect your parents. You owe everything to them. They deserve respect more than anyone around you. This will show them that you respect them no matter what the situation is. This will increase your bond. Number six, act responsibly. 
Many responsibilities are coming your way as you grow up. You need to realize them as fast as you can. It's quite appealing for parents to see their kids behaving maturely and acting like grown-ups. Number seven, have patience. There will be many situations when you feel like giving up, when you have to make them understand some of these issues and they don't see your point of view. This is a time when you have to act more maturely and take the lead. Discuss and have patience and tell your opinion. Don't turn it into a debate. In this technological age, they may have questions about technology. This is a great chance for you to show your patience, your kindness, and your leadership. What about the older adult bridging the gap with the younger? Hmm. I bet there's some of the same tips, but it does start with communication. So communication is the key to bridging the gap and talking to your child and listening to them. That's a vital part of a healthy relationship. Make your child realize that you have an interest in their interests. Even if you have a busy day full of your own stuff, take time out. Ask them about their day. Tell them about yours. Make this point clear to your child that you're always open to talk. And when your child comes up to you with things that you don't agree with, first, you will listen to them before you speak. Number two, keep up with the current trends. I know that can be difficult, but just keep up with what's going on around you forward and in the past. Even if you don't want to act like a fool, (laughs) keep your eye on technology, music, clothes, social sites, so that you have an understanding when they're talking. You're not coming at it as a complete novice. Number three, don't compare. Accept that times have changed. Don't say things like, when I was your age, I used to walk up one hill in snow. Let that stuff go. Maybe things were different back in your time, but they were different in the time before you as well. And didn't you hate when your parents said that to you? There is no contest between you and your kids, so don't fight about it. (laughs) Accept the things the way they are and act like a cool parent. I already knew that. Number four, get online. Technology, media, and the internet can make a huge trench between you and your child, particularly when you don't know or understand what your child's doing online. Try to get online and know about your child's favorite websites, what they're doing, which networks they're in. You don't have to stalk them. That's not what we're saying. Just be aware of what's going on. This way, you can keep an eye out on their activities and learn something too so that you have something in common to talk about. Number five, find similar interests. It's the best way to bridge the generation gap. Maybe your child doesn't have the same interests you have. There are no such reasons that he or she would have your interests. So try to find things that are appealing to both of you. Maybe a hobby that you can start together or a new series on television that you both want to watch and tune into every week. Anything that you can do to bridge the gap and make your bond stronger. Number six, fight fair. There will always be conflict between you and your child. Parents always thought that they had made so many sacrifices for their kids 
So they are bound to listen to them and they think their sacrifices go unnoticed by their kids. That's why conflicts arise between the two. This creates sourness between kids and parents. Just don't put your sacrifices in front of your kids. When they are mature, they will have a better understanding of how you sacrificed and what you went through. Remember when you were having struggles with your kids and you called your parents and they laughed at you? Hmm, that's a generational thing. So you'll have your day. Number seven, be willing to bridge the generation gap. Be open and willing to change your rigid structure of thinking. You must try to be flexible in your thoughts, actions, and ideas and keep up with the pace of time. There's no complete handbook to parenting and what might have worked for your parents back in their day may not necessarily work for you in this day. So just be open. Now these are just a few ways from both sides to connect more and bridge the generation gap, which can be a problem in some relationships. Be cool and calm and try to resolve the conflicts. Don't accept the gap. Take the time and look for solutions to bridge it. As our show comes to an end, let's cover the top 10 key highlights for bridging the generational gap and understanding for all ages. Number one, be willing to stretch your mind by being open and willing to explore other ideas. Number two, it's easy to pick judgment over understanding and acceptance. Number three, everything that we experience is filtered categorized and dealt with in some automatic way. Number four, sometimes these judgments are helpful. They can lead you to understand the things that bring you up, give you energy, and fill you with purpose. Number five, mindfulness presents an alternative to this vicious cycle in the form of non-judgment. Number six, Setting down the judging mind, even for a short while, is a refreshing weight off of your shoulders. Number seven, to practice mindfulness is to make direct contact with the experience you're having. Getting in touch with the actual experience itself is a freeing and peaceful state. Number eight, today, although more Americans see generational differences, Most don't see them as divisive. Number nine, according to the Pew study, all generations regard older Americans as superior in more values, work ethic, and respect for others. And number 10, connect, listen, understand, and encourage. share encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they are not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you to work together. Most conflict comes from a lack of understanding. And why don't we understand? 
because we aren't open to other ideas that conflict with our own and we aren't listening. Today, be patient and look for more commonalities versus differences. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Someone through until the path was clear. That's when I found you.